those who are joining us via live streaming. If you are waiting for normal to return, you may be setting yourself up for a major letdown. Okay, so that's a great way to start the message, amen? Pure encouragement, right? If you're waiting for the, nor- the normal to return, friend, it probably ain't going to happen. It's use the grammar, okay? The fact is, we find this out in life. Nothing remains normal for very long, okay? Ask a parent. Kids grow up. <laughs> kids move out. Kids get married. Kids go to college. And so normal doesn't last very long. You blink, and boy, uh, the kid has put on a foot, right? And has emptied your refrigerator. But anyway, uh, it just happens. Boy, normal doesn't, I mean, just normal doesn't stick around very long, whatever it is. And certainly, especially in the times that we're facing each one or each, uh, even right now. You know, for those of us here, like me, whether you're here, present, in the auditorium, you're watching via live streaming, if you're like me and you don't like change, (laughs) the reality is the continual upheaval of normal, the continual switching and changing of what normal is to us, is hard to face. It requires an adjustment. It requires you and I facing it biblically so that we can handle it, so that we don't uh, get full of fear and anxiety and turmoil in our own hearts and torment and so forth. Because, my friend, you know, some of us will say, well, when change comes, I go with it kicking and screaming. <laughs> you know, I, I just, oh, I hate it, and boy, it's just so hard. Well, the fact is this. God doesn't want you to face it that way. God wants you to face it with amazing peace and trust in him. And so now as we think about uh, these troubling times and the troubling voices we have to listen to during it, I'm grateful that within the scriptures, God's holy word, that there have been many who have gone on before us that have left us a pattern to follow when our normal changes into the new normal. Jeremiah is such a person. A prophet here. Now, we want to first of all identify, you know what? They, like us, might describe our new normal as uh, what we might call troubling times. Troubling times. Jeremiah, that was certainly the case for him. Jeremiah, here in the Old Testament, will read in a moment his lamentations. The book is entitled, The Lamentations of the Lamenting of Jeremiah. And so it was for him. He had personally, now don't miss this. Here's the context. You say, you know, people will say, well, you think you have it bad. (laughs) Here's what I had to go through this week, okay? Let's listen to Jeremiah and his troubling times as you and I consider our own troubling times. Jeremiah had personally witnessed the Babylonians invading Jerusalem, and they just laid total waste to it. In fact, they burned it down. They destroyed it almost completely. He had witnessed that. Furthermore, not only had they entered the holy city, but they had headed directly for the holy temple and burnt down the very temple of God. The place sacred to the Jews and the place where they worship God Almighty, Jehovah, the creator of all, they had burned it down with little regard. Then Jeremiah had to watch as many Jews and Israelites were slaughtered and slain and killed. And and then others were uprooted out of their life and out of their land, taken and hauled off to a different land, a distant land. And in this distant land, what do they face? A different culture. You feel like you're living in a different land and a different culture today? I mean, that, that's what happened to them. They're carried away to Babylonia, uh, Babylon, and, and a different culture, different way of life, completely uprooted. And Jeremiah is, is speaking to this. He's lamenting this even in this book. It would be safe to say, wouldn't it, that Jeremiah and even the Jews around him, the people, that their normal changed drastically. Changed drastically. Look at verse 1 of Lamentations chapter 1. We don't have time to read everything in this book, but let's just get a taste for it. Verse 1. How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princess among the provinces, how she has become tributary. So put underfoot, she weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. 
she findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. We'll just pause there. I tell you, that, that is a very vivid and descriptive uh, characterization of what was going on, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's, this is terrible. This is troubling times. And here's what's happened to Jerusalem. Here's what ha- has happened to Judah and being carried away. Sorrow and suffering and uh, lamenting the, the, all that took place. And we could read the rest of the book, several chapters. We'll see more of that. We could go back to the book of Jeremiah and read some other things that would give us more to that. You know, the fact is this. They were living in very troubling times. I don't think we can argue with that. Their normal had been uh, uprooted and changed completely and drastically. Well, I would submit to you and I that over the last few months, the same is true for us. We are living in very troubled times at this moment. The term that I like to use, and I've used with many of you individually, this is a very fluid time. What do we know about fluid? Boy, it just changes shape all the time, right? It moves, you pour it, it just goes all, it's very fluid. In other words, it's constantly changing. It's just, uh, you never know what the next day holds, or what the next executive order holds, or what the next law holds, whatever the case may be, the next round of tests hold, we just don't know. We don't know what the economy is going to do. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know things that we've planned a month from now, or two months from now, six months from now, if we'll be able to do those things. Boy, you talk about troubled times. As we put it into the context, we think of, uh, uh, about uh, the coronavirus. And I just put before you that in this coronavirus, or what we might call COVID-19, I, I would submit to you it is real. That it is a virus that causes death like other viruses. And there certainly are folks more susceptible to it. So that's troubling, that reality, that this is real. There is something to this virus. There's no doubt of it. Many of you several weeks ago, actually now months ago, you prayed for my aunt's brother. And when he came down, was tested with it. And his whole family, his wife and daughter came down with it. You, you prayed. He worked with the person who was the first casualty, uh, at least official casualty in the state of Indiana who died from the virus. In his workplace, he actually worked for a rental company with several other drivers. In that group of drivers, eight of them contracted the, the virus, and I don't think there was much more than eight in their group. Eight of them contracted the virus. Five of them died. Three of their spouses died. He, my aunt's brother, is still recovering, and he is suffering health issues from it, and yet he is the best recovered of all of his coworkers. So I say all that to say this. There is validity to the coronavirus, the COVID-19. It is real. And so for some, that is very troublesome. That is very worrisome. That, that can cause fear and can cause some to be scared. I get that, and we do too. It's real, and even though it doesn't seem, from most statistics, more deadly than the normal flu across the board, it is a serious threat. It does cause death. It can be worrisome, and so some fear it greatly. Furthermore, not only the virus could be feared, but the fact is this, you can fear whether you have it or not. Uh, The quarterback for the Detroit Lions found that out. Tested several times, negative, negative, positive, negative, negative, or something like that. The governor of Ohio was tested positive. A few hours later, he was tested again, negative. That could be a little scary, couldn't it? Do I have it or do I not? Do I have it or do I not? Testing that seems erratic and testing that doesn't seem to be conclusive. You know, that could scare somebody. That could be a source of worry and so forth. Uh, More maybe hitting to home. What, What about the reality of the terrible financial fallout of the virus's shutdown? People losing jobs and uh, people losing income and even her recently people losing homes because of that. The fallout. The inflation we're now seeing that's hitting all of us. You can, get, you can worry about that. That could be something. That's a troubling times. That's, that's adding to our burden or the things that we have to face and so forth. It can cause some worry. Then on the other end of the spectrum, we have have certainly seen the government use the virus to threaten liberties and unprecedented acts of overreach and evasiveness, and there's much fear and concern, much of it legitimate to this whole episode, opening the door for freedoms to be stripped away and the government to take greater control of things. That's certainly a valid fear, a valid concern, part of this troubling times. We step back from what you and I are going through because the same was for Jeremiah and the Jews. 
What's going to happen to us when we're carried away? Will we ever see Jerusalem again? Will it ever be back to normal? The fact is this. All of these factors are involved in our troubling times today. It's like, is this ever going to get back to that? My, what we have to face and what does the future hold? Then as we look at our nation from, uh, from sea to shining sea, the reality is this. We sometimes wonder what has happened to basic decency and logic in America. It seemed to have disappeared. It seems we've lost it. We've lost basic de- decency in, in stores and so forth. And I was funny. I was up in Carroll's just this week and, and at a fast food restaurant that actually had a dining room open. And I was picking up an order. And I heard the workers working back there. And somebody come through the drive-thru. And this was the comment from one worker to the other one. Well, it's nice to see that people have gone back to being nasty. That's what, was what they said, the workers. I had a problem, I guess, in the drive-thru or something like that. Yeah, this does seem like there's a little heightened even. Maybe not going back to what it was, but just heightened nastiness, a lack of decency between people, and certainly lack of logic. Hitting home, the fact is this. We, we have several states, and I, I would highlight, as I did even Wednesday night, the state of California threatening churches with fines, threatening pastors being arrested simply because they meet the worship for singing in their services, for obeying the Lord's command to assemble and worship, all because of the government's belief in fuzzy, questionable science. We have riots and protesters marching and destroying things without much repercussion or accountability. Do you realize in the last few weeks, even months, there have been protesters around the nation that have gone from burning federal buildings to burning churches, synagogues? They're getting bolder. They're getting more expressive in things that they included in it. Just this past week, protesters in Portland, Oregon, they had a fire going, and they started burning the American flag, number one. You know what else they burnt? Bibles. Protesters in Portland, Oregon, in front of the Capitol or wherever it was, burnt the American flag and Bibles. Let me ask you this. Someone asked the question, and I wholeheartedly agree with them. What does burning a Bible have to do with protesting police brutality? Okay. It's kind of showing us, now wait a second, there's more at work here. Then we see on the surface there's more going on, and, and we ought not to hide our heads in the sand. We ought not to say, oh, that, that's not really going on. This is America right now, friend. When they say American flag, the Bible, we want to throw them both off, let's burn them. They realize something. Maybe it's that for a long time, America and the Bible try to go together. Maybe that's what they realize. I think it goes much deeper. These are troubling times. These protesters, many belonging to Antifa and Black Lives Matter, have an agenda that is disconnected from the call for social injustice. That's really not their agenda, the majority of them. What do they want to do? Well, I could show you their own websites where they want to throw off Western culture and civilizations we know it. They want to do away with the nuclear family. They want to uh, rid America of capitalism and certain freedoms and any thought of God and religion. They like the term radicals. And these radicals, they they liked uh, different guys who've gone before them, written books. Alinsky was one. He wrote a book that was entitled Rules for Radicals. There have been politicians that have subscribed to him, followed him, his ideological stances and so forth. And in that... He's an author, Alinsky is, who, who put off the establishment. He hates the establishment. He hates government. You know what he wrote in his book? And this, this is alarming. This is concerning. Because this would be a book that many radicals and protesters, those of Antifa and Black Lives Matter, many of them would subscribe to or at least agree with ideologically. Here's what he wrote. Now listen to this. Here's a guy who's saying, okay, here, for radicals who want to throw off what America is today. Here's what he wrote. Lest we forget at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement, yea, praise for the very first radical. From all our legends, mythology, and history, and who's to know where mythology leaves off and history begins, or which is which, the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. Satan. Do you see what he says here? Hey, he's the first radical, and you know what? He won, and he threw off the establishment. What is the establishment in his mind? God. God, don't tell me that there's not more going on to what we see. 
There's things happening. There's, there's an agenda. There's someone working on That is sick and disturbing. Believer, it is sick and disturbing. It, it ought to upset our stomach that someone holds up Lucifer here in America and says, hey, let's celebrate him. He is the first radical, my friend. He is the first reprobate. As he challenged God and his authority. It's sick and disturbing. And so these are troubling times in which we live. Listen, I, I'm painting a picture so you and I can say, "Woo, what Jeremiah and the Jews face? Boy, we are going through troubling times. This is troubling times. These troubling voices in the midst of them, it's troubling times. We look around us, we certainly don't like the new normal. It can be a source of much fear and much alarm and much worry and anxiety. I'll submit to you, it's scary. Not one of us, I don't think, as a parent who has young children, say, man, I'm scared of the world that my children are inheriting. I'm worried over the nation that we're handing down to our children in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. What will it look like, the world, the nation, the America that my children live in? My friend, I'll submit to you, that could be scary and is scary. There are times I'm afraid of what we see. And and I think for us today that we are in a place that many of us as believers have not been in a long time or have never been. You say, what place is that, Pastor Henry? Well, it's the place that uh, for far too long that you and I have operated under the bad assumption that we can handle it. That you and I are able to withstand, to control things, that we can be resilient and self-reliant in the face. But now the new normal comes along, these troubling times that we see ourselves in. And the fact is this, by ourselves, we cannot handle it and we cannot control it. We are unable to do that. As resilient and self-reliant as we may be, we can't do that. Neither can we just ignore it because it's affecting every one of us. It's hitting home with each one of us. Jeremiah recorded the hopelessness that the people in his day found and and saw. In Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 12, he said this about the Jewish people. And they said, there is no hope. It's interesting in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 4 verse 18 says, uh, perfect love casteth out fear. But it also makes this statement. Uh, It says, because fear hath torment. Can I tell you today, there are a whole bunch of people tormented by fear. Anxiety, worry, being careful for things and worried over it. And so, man, what's going on over there in Oregon? And what's happening here? And and what about this virus? What if I can't get that? And what, boy, we're just so worried. What if I take a test and it's negative, but I really haven't? I mean, we can get worried and uptight and worked up over many a thing. We can even reach the point where we might join those people that Jeremiah references, that there is no hope. In the midst of these troubling times, there may be some even listening here that have given in to worry. You're troubled in your heart and spirit over many things. And yet Jeremiah was a man of God who was sent to give hope. Look at Lamentations chapter 3. Again, we don't have time to read here between chapter 1 and chapter 3. But look in chapter 3. Look in verse 21, if you will, with me. I love this statement. He goes, okay, now i got to recall. i got to remind myself, okay? Verse 21, Lamentation 3. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Okay, Jeremiah, what is it? In the midst of troubling times that you recall to your mind, verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. Now listen to me. We have troubling times. And you know what God wants troubling times to be for the church, for you and I as believers? He wants them to be what we might call trusting times. Trusting times. I mean, this is, man, God's saying, listen, oh, this whole, this is going crazy. You know what God wanted for Jeremiah and the nation of Israel? That in the midst of their troubling times, they would turn to him and trust him. The same for you and I. 
That we turn and trust God. I love Jeremiah's resolve here. It's inspirational. When we read the word hope in verse 24 and, and even in verse 21, understand that's biblical hope. It means that he is displaying that he's trusting in God. It doesn't look very hopeful. We're being carried away to Babylon. It doesn't look hopeful what happened in Jerusalem. But you know what looks hopeful? My gaze to heaven. Because there's a God on the throne that is in control of all things. So his, his trust is in God. That's where his hope erupts from. That is where his hope rests. It stands in the God of heaven. They were troubling times. But his focus was not on the terror of the day, but on the trust in his Lord. It wasn't on the terror of the day. It was in his trust in the Lord. He's a shining example of Psalm 112, verse 7. I'm going to throw a lot of verses at you that are so crucial to you and I grabbing a hold of, meditating on, thinking about. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. You say, Pastor Henry, what's evil tidings? Anything you read in the news today? I don't know. I, I could be wrong on that, but it seems like it. I'm just about. Evil tidings. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. Doing what? Trusting in the Lord. Man, Jeremiah was a great example of this. You say, well, who is that verse? Well, in verse 5 of Psalm 112, it's speaking of the good man, the man who's following after God. That's who it is. He is one who won't be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting the Lord. He also practiced Psalm 56 and probably familiar verses 3 and 4. What time I am afraid. Can we stop there? I said a few moments ago, there are scary things happening. There are, time, there are things that, man, that's a little scary. What's it going to look like? What's going to go on down there? It's a little scary. What time I am afraid. Don't you think some of those Jews in Jeremiah were a little scared? What's going to happen when we get to Babylon? What's going to transpire? What's going to happen to Jerusalem? What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. And I like that terminology of flesh. Certainly, that, that is allusion to other people doing something. Because may I tell you, it is also incorporating anything that happens in the human realm, the earthly realm. May I just submit to you, there is nothing, nothing that you and I can face that our trust in God will not get us through. Did you catch that, Christian? There's nothing here on earth that you and I will face that, that can, should get us so discouraged and so depressed and so worried and so anxious that we aren't going to make it through, that we don't maintain a peace of God that he wants us to have. Why? Because, my friend, the verse says it, I will not fear what flesh. Does it look scary? Yeah, it can look scary, but I'm not going to live in fear. Now get a hold of that, Christian. Because too many of us, sometimes we live in fear. We're scared this is going to happen, and we're scared that's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen there, and we allow that scared. Listen, I'm scared at what the future may hold. But you know what? Though I'm scared, I know who holds the future. And I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to give it to him. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen with my children. And boy, when I'm long gone and they're still here, Father, protect them, watch over them, meet their needs. And I'm going to trust that you'll do it then I can have a peace, even though I'm a little scared. But do not let being scared turn into living by fear. You say, what does that look like? What if I told you, well, I made a decision because I'm scared of the future. I'm never going to let my kids leave home. They're going to live with me forever. In fact, they're never going to go out of the house. We're going to lock the doors. He said, well, that's a, that's a little bit ridiculous, Pastor Henry. You can't do that. You can't control that. Can I tell you? It's no different than some of us living in fear of the future and not doing what we ought to do for Christ right now because we're so worried and scared about it. We're living in fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. That's not who we are as believers. Are there things to be scared about? Yes, I just need to tell them I could go on for hours. You don't want me to, but I could. About the things we could fear that are going on around the world in our nation. There's a multitude. But God does not want us to live in fear. We are to live in trusting him, looking to him. Now, I find this to be true. Now, some of you are sitting there, wow, Pastor Henry, I know that. 
<laughs> I know. I just got to trust in God. I know that. And it's true. I get that. Most of us know this, what I've already covered and have shared with you. But knowing and doing are two totally different things. We may know that in every day, in every situation, every circumstance, we ought to trust in God, but do we do that? Let me just put it simply in a way that probably confused some of us. You, ha- you got to know in order to do, but to know doesn't mean you automatically do. Okay? You got to know in order to do, but to know does not mean you automatically do. See, it's a reason Christ said, don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. You can know it. You can have it. Yeah, I know. And I've spoken to many a Christian who says, yeah, I know. I just need to trust in God. You know, the reality is, great. I'm glad you know it. That's the first step. But just because you know it doesn't mean you do it. And so this morning, you may say, I know I need to trust in God. But reality is you're living in fear. You're living in fear. God doesn't want that. That's not trusting in God. You see, the only way to navigate through troubling times is to turn them into trusting times. I'm going through a difficult time, a a time of trouble, and yet that's easier said than done. Why is that? Now listen to me. Because of all the noise that comes with troubling times. And the troubling times that we are going through, has, if it's proven anything, it's this truth that within troubling times, there are always troubling voices. So when we go through troubling times, the fact is there are going to be some troubling voices in it that are saying different things. You can be sure that Satan and his henchmen are loud and active right now. See, Satan says, boy, he says, this is wonderful. I got these Christians, and I've got all people everywhere so scared, so worked up. This is fantastic. And you can be sure Satan's screaming loud and long. He is. His henchman, he's even, using, uh, he's even using humans who he can manipulate and even control. You say, what do you mean? Well, listen, you know what voices are out there. You've heard them just as much as I have. Let me just give you a sampling. Sure to offend someone or everyone. Here we go. There are voices that say that this is the worst pandemic that has ever hit our nation, even the international community. Others say that it is blown out of proportion, while others argue that it's all made up. It's just a hoax. And we have all the voices in between. We have the voices that tell us that social distancing is the only answer. And we have those voices that say we should be 20 feet apart for social distancing to work. We have the voices that say the only way COVID-19 is going to be stopped is everyone wearing a mask all the time. And then we have the voices that say masks are actually doing more damage than help. We have the voices that say the hospitals are full and running out of room. We have the voices that say the hospitals are empty and laying off nurses. We have the voices that are saying people everywhere need to get tested. Tests are accurate and the counting of deaths and cases is without corruption. And then we have the voices who speak of those who have never been tested receiving letters that saying they are tested positive. While also saying every death is being counted as virus caused regardless if that's the truth or not. We have the voices that say this is all, this whole thing is just politically motivated. We have the voices that say this is just done solely for the sake of the health of the American people. We have voices that say isolation and quarantine is the only way to go. We have voices that say herd immunity is the best way to combat it. There are voices that say we must have a vaccine before we lose the entire race of mankind. There are voices that say any vaccine will do more harm than good. Is anyone else dizzy yet? Come on, friend. I mean, this... It's worse than being a termite in yo-yo. You're talking about confusing. You're talking about all over the map. Who do I listen to? What do I believe? What do I go by? Listen, there are so many voices out there, and there is so much confusion. Who loves it? The devil does. Satan does. He will use anything and everything to turn people from God, whether it's for salvation or a saint for trusting in him. Satan loves it. And may I tell you that it's even gotten some Christians to be dizzy with fear and worry and anxiety during these troubled times. 
May I just simply remind you this morning, and boy, you need to grab hold of this. Your God is not a God of confusion. He is not. And if our God is not a God of confusion, we ought not to be a people of confusion. Let's, let's just stick to what we know, the truth, and, and we'll leave the rest to God. And that's not a Christian cop-out. I'll tell you, I'll speak to that more. You see what God wants us to be able to do? He wants us to be able to navigate these troubling times and what we have now, number three, titled as troubling voices. He wants us to navigate troubling times and troubling voices. How? By turning them into times of trusting. That's where we've got to get back to. I'm going to trust in God as Jeremiah did and as the psalmist encourages us. But here's the question, and here's where the rubber meets the road for every Christian. And I want to challenge you right now, young person especially, I want to challenge you for the future, your future. Here's the question. Who are you listening to? What voices are you listening to? Because that is really the question here. May I submit to you that there is a news feed that you do need to subscribe to. There is a social platform that you need to check frequently. There is a source for headlines that you need to give the most attention to. You know what that is? It's God and his voice. It is thus saith the Lord. Because it is the truth. It will hold you. It will uplift you. It will be the thing that helps you to have peace in the midst of troubling times. I looked up the headlines for today. Taken from the most important papers around that we could find this morning. And here's the headlines that you ought to write down, that you ought to say are the most important headlines today. Here they are. I found them just for you. Very simple. And I would, today's headlines, they're the most important. Okay, here they are. Number one, God is still in control and it is a forever control. You say, did that come from the New York Times? No. Came from the most important papers you could ever read. God is still in control, and it is a forever control. I like that. I'll take that to the bank. I'll use that as a foundation for my trust and my reliance on my God. Though the horizon looks terrible, though the troubling times seem to come more and more and overwhelming, I'll hang on to that. Headline number two, God is still faithful. Jeremiah said that. Great is thy faithfulness. He is still faithful, and it is a forever faithful. I'll take that to the bank. I'll rest my life on that. I'll rest my future on that. I'll I'll put everything in that. I'll put all my eggs in that basket. Amen. Number three headline. God's plan, hallelujah, is still on track. And it will be fully realized. Ain't anything going to upset that card. Nothing will stop it. So listen to those headlines. Some of you need to put on a, get a newspaper or a magazine or your phone and make this pop up every day as the headlines to read. Here's the news for today. Because I think that will help many of us not to fear as we do. Not to worry, not to be anxious for things, not to get so worked up over things that, that we aren't even sure are true, whatever the case may be. And don't, no, God is in control, God is faithful, and God's plan is still on track. Understand, the voices of your flesh, that old man, the voices of this world, and Satan are all loud. They are trying to be heard in your head and your heart. They want you to be the main voice each one of us listens to. And what will Satan use? Newsflash. Satan will use the media and the newspapers. Internet and social media your neighbor and your coworker, and anyone that the flesh or Satan or the world can use or manipulate. But there is a voice that you and I need to listen above all the rest, and that is the voice of God. You need to pull it out every day. You need to detect that every day. You need to make sure that he is getting an audience time with you, that you are listening to the very voice of God. Let me point out something about this truth. There is only one voice. Now listen, some of you need to hear this. There is only one voice that has your best interest in mind. The world is selfish. Satan is selfish. All he cares about is himself. Your old flesh, your old nature is selfish. But may I tell you, God in heaven has your best interest in mind. He wants the best for you and for me. So make his voice number one. I've met many a person, now listen to me, 
I've met many a person who their own flesh is the worst voice they can listen to. Well, I'm just a nobody. No one cares about me. Everybody hates me. Their own voice. They convince themselves, and, and, and somewhere inside, they believe these thoughts that are not good thoughts. They haven't brought them into captivity, casting down every imagination. No, no. They haven't done that, and their own voice inside of them is the wrong voice to listen to. Now, I tell you, my friend, if your voice is telling you right now, well, I'm worthless, I'm not any good, you need to listen to God's voice who says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are of great value to God. You have redemptive power. You're created in the very image of God. You are his if you're a Christian. You are bought with a price. You're a child of the king. And my friend, one day you will be a citizen of heaven. You are something. So don't listen to those voices. Don't give them an audience. He alone is working for your best and for you. Just listen to him. Say, Pastor Henry, what does listening to the voice of God really look like? Obviously, it means I, I ought to have time in God's Word. I, I ought to be there. And, and, but what does it look like? Well, number one, let me just give you uh, four descriptions of it. Number one, is, it looks like this. Number one, don't fret over life. Listening to the voice of God means I don't fret over life. Circumstances, problems, issues, health, what could happen, what might happen, what is likely going to happen, what didn't happen in the past. I'm not going to fret over that. I like Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Commit thy works, and the word works literally means everything of your life, the things you do, and I would submit to you that every part of your daily life, commit it, give it to God, and thy thoughts shall be established. See, there's no reason for me to fret over this life if I have given every part of it to him. Did you catch that? If I've sacrificed, if I said, okay, God, this day is yours. I want to live it for you. I want to give it to you today as I've woken up. And, boy, this is the day that I'm going to live for you. I present my body a living sacrifice. Man, if you give everything of this day to him, there's absolutely no reason to worry over it. There's no reason to fret over it because it's his. I've cast all my cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for me, the Bible says. Don't fret over life. Hey, number two, Christian, would you listen up? Number two, don't fret over death. Don't fret over death. Too many of Christians got carried away with fearing death. You ought not to fear death. There's nothing to fear. Jesus Christ has conquered death. Death is no more than a graduation day for us. Okay, mark it down. Get it in your mind. It doesn't matter what virus comes up, what health issues comes up. Nothing ought to cause me to worry over death. Paul put it into perspective for us, didn't he? For to me to live is Christ, but to die is Gain, hallelujah. It's graduation day. You see, sometimes, wow, man, what, what happens if I contract the virus and, and I die? Or what happens if I get cancer this year? And, and man, we get all worked up in fear. May I just encourage you about some truth? Death doesn't sneak up on anyone. Death's not out there saying, boy, I'm hoping I can get him today or get her today. No, death isn't ever late, it's never early. It is simply right on time at the time appointed, not by Satan, but by God. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men, once to die, and after this the judgment. Listen, friend, you're here today. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to be ready for the appointment. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross of Calvary for your sins to help you gain heaven and lose hell, friend. That's what it's all about. And yet the fact is this. Once you come to know Jesus Christ, hey, death is not determined. Now listen, death is not determined. If you contract cancer, it's not like, uh-oh, cancer is just, it's going to end my life. It's just going to, it's going to bring death. Oh no, let me fear this. No, God appoints your death. And a sovereignty, he says, okay. It's time for you to come home. This virus not, will not determine when you die. Man, I, you know, someone dies maybe at a young age of the virus. Man, that, that virus just took him early. Can I tell you? No. Jesus Christ, God in heaven, took him early. See, sometimes I'm like, oh, Pastor, I don't listen, my friend, if I love somebody, I want the best for them. You know what the best place for anybody right now? Heaven. I'm <laughs> just being honest. You say, Pastor Henry, shouldn't you say Fostory Baptist Church? Well, if you're still on earth, yes. But if you're going to go anywhere, heaven is the best place to be. See, sometimes we lose sight of that, don't we? 
We get so concerned and love with this world and the things that we have, and we lose sight. I, I've quoted this before, and some of you are like, ooh, I don't know if I'd say that. I think it's true. I really do. He said this, and I think it's true. God's man in the center of God's will is immortal until God is done with him. And I think that's true because, no, I don't think it is. I know it is because our God is both trustworthy and sovereign. He is in control. This life is nothing compared to the next for the Christian. Now, may I just throw something out there? And if I haven't offended you yet and the rest of it, I might with this. I think there's way too many Christians who look forward to retirement here on earth more than eternity in heaven. Man, if I can just finish work, and man, that'll be so wonderful when I just stop work and, and I can do what I want, or I can do that, or I can do this. You know what? I, I don't have a problem with you looking ahead to retirement, but I have a problem if you look more to retirement than you do to heaven. Because you and I as believers, we're not living for this world, we're living for the next. That is where our attention and our affection needs to be. And sometimes when we're like, man, I sure hope I don't die before I retire. Praise be to God, I hope I do die before I retire because I'll be in heaven. Come on, where are we, Christian? Oh my, have you seen the death rates? Have you seen this? Yes, I feel sorry for the family that's lost a loved one, but my friend, can I tell you, for a Christian to die is gain. So I don't have a fear of cancer. I don't have a fear of virus. I don't fear anything. I'll trust in God. Because God's in control. If God doesn't want a virus to take me or cancer to take me or a a thief or murderer to take me, it's not going to happen. Because my God is in control. So let's trust him. That's what listening to his voice looks like, friend. We could summarize it with this third part, but it encompasses a little bit more, doesn't it? Don't fret over anything. Oh, Pastor Henry, you're going to preach too long and lunch is going to burn. Don't fret. Because even the chicken is in God's hands. Don't fret over anything. Oh, Pastor, don't be, don't be, don't be silly facetious. Listen to him. You know what the Bible says? Be careful for nothing. Don't fret over anything. Don't worry over it. If you need to talk about it, if instead of whining and complaining and worrying and so forth, if you need to talk about it, do it. Get on your knees and pray. Supplicate the Lord. Take it before him with thanksgiving. Let those requests be made known unto God. Give it to him. Don't be anxious. You know what the devil loves? He loves fear. He loves us to paralyze, to distract, to discourage us, to cause us to fret and worry. He knows worry is really just another name for what? Listen, worry is just another name for lack of trust in God. Oh, that's pretty harsh, Pastor. It's true. If you and I are worried and we get so much living in fear over things, that is simply another name for lack of trust in God. So listen to the voice of God, not the devil, not your flesh, not this world. Don't fret over anything. Number four, and the last point is this. Do study and stand on the truth. And I love this reality. The idea, we know in the Bible many times tells us to meditate, to study, to show thyself approved unto God. The idea is of meditation, studying Scripture, it has a big part of, the, in it, the idea of saturating or filling your mind and heart with these things. Saturating, just feeling it. Man, getting all the truth I can and just getting it in my mind and thinking on those things, meditating. Now, listen to me, listen to me carefully. I'm almost done. It's okay to read the news. To see what is going on. But don't let that be your meditation. I fear many a Christian is getting consumed and saturated with news from other voices than God. Be careful. Be careful. Don't let it be your meditation. Don't let it be that which saturates your mind. Now, let's make it practical. You ought not to spend more time reading the news or sitting in front of the news on television than you do in front of the Word of God. Ooh. Amen, Pastor Henry. Amen. Ooh. How about last week? You more on the news on that phone or in front of the television more than you were in reading God's Word? I've learned a long time ago 
what's on the news on the television and when phones finally came along, the news on your phone, those things won't bring peace. God's word will bring peace. It's what we need in troubling times. But boy, there's so many troubling voices vying for our attention, for our audience. That's when we get ourselves into trouble, isn't it? When we start listening to the troubling voices instead of the peace-giving voice. Philippians, we've looked at Philippians 6. Philippians chapter 8 is as important today for Christians in America as it's ever been. What's it say? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think, meditate on these things. That's what you ought to fill your mind with saturate. Listen, news from, about what's going on in America and around the world ought to come in one ear and eventually go out the other. But God's word ought to come in your ears and stick. It ought to be what you meditate, kind of chew on like a cow chewing the cud. The idea you just meditate, you think on it, you chew on it, you allow that to be your meditation. And friend, may I just encourage you, when you do that, the peace of God can rule in your heart. In the midst of troubling times and in the midst of troubling voices. First uh, Peter chapter number 1 and verse 13 brings up a good statement. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul adds this to it. Stand therefore, having your loins gird about with what? The truth. Stand or study and stand on the truth. The word for gird or to gird up, to gird or to gird up, we understand that in the day they would wear a long flowing robe and when they went to work, they had to kind of gird it up. They had to bring up that and they tuck it into the belt and overlap and the idea was girding it up. It means gathering together. You would gather up all that extra material and you would kind of tuck it in. So that, you know what that verse is telling you and I? We ought to gird up our thinking and what we're putting in our mind and make sure it's the truth. Gird it up with the truth. Now listen, if that doesn't match the truth, I don't want it in here for me to meditate on. So so-called conspiracy theories that are not based and rooted on truth have no point to be here. Throw it out. I need to gird up the loins of my mind with what? Truth. Truth. It is a challenging and a good advice for you and I. The truth will hold our mind in peace. And that's the outcome, isn't it? I mean, that really is. Uh, we get peace. We get the ability to navigate troubling times and troubling voices. Uh, Psalm chapter 4 and verse 8. <laughs> I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. I love the picture uh, verse 5 of that is in the, uh, speaks of the, con- uh, the context of the fixation of one's trust on God. Now listen to me. Notice this. Have you ever been so troubled during this so-called pandemic? I'll only use that term because that's thrown around. Okay? Have you ever been so troubled by what's going on and so forth that you lost sleep? See what this verse says? I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. Why? Because, Lord, I'm trusting you. <laughs> I can dwell in safety. I I don't have to worry about it all. I'll let you take care of it. I'll let you worry about it. That's what the psalmist is saying here. My friend, when you and I just meditate on the truth, we stand it, we study it, we can just turn it over to God. And that's what Paul was saying in Philippians. We looked at Philippians 4, 6, Philippians 4, 8. We come to verse 7. In between, he said this, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Secure, anchored, anchor for the soul. That's what Paul is speaking of. Now I finish with this statement. As a Christian, to say, well, I don't know what's going to happen or what to make all of this, but I do know that God's in control and I'm trusting him. Listen, that is not a Christian cop-out. That is a Christian creed. I don't know the future. I don't know what to make of all this news and everything else and all these things. My, I, I, my mind's spinning with all the voices. But the one thing I do know is this. My God is in control and I can trust him. And that is the Christian creed by which in the midst of troubling times, you and I need to live by. Listen to his voice. Don't, <laughs> don't fret over life. 
Don't fret over death. Don't fret over anything. But do study and stand on the truth. And boy, my friend, when we do that, we will be able to navigate troubling times and troubling voices by turning it into a time of trusting. You can do it. I can do it. No matter what, the, what is added this week, or this month, to these troubling times. Put it this way, and I'm done. This is our wilderness. You know what the Jews learned before they reached the promised land in the wilderness? We've got to trust God. You know what some of us need to learn before we get to heaven? Every day, every moment, every situation, I need to trust God. So let's make it through the wilderness. Let's go through the troubling times and the troubling voices, and let's just trust him and enjoy the peace that comes from it. Father, we are grateful for your word. I praise you for the truth that we have studied this morning and the reality that, Lord, in these troubling times and in the midst of these troubling voices, that they can be times of trusting. May we do what we need to do through your word, your Holy Spirit, the things that you've given us, the way that you've empowered us. May we employ these things so that we may enjoy that peace that passes understanding. We may enjoy that peace that's allowed allows us to sleep and rest in you during the most troubling times. Lord, I pray for the one that has just been in the grips of fear and worry. Lord, for the one who's been so very anxious these last few months, I, I pray this morning they will have been reminded of just simply trusting in you. Father, for those of us who have been tempted to listen to other voices, may we tune them out and tune you in. May we study the truth of your word. May we listen to your voice primary and above everything else. And Lord, I pray for the one that might be here this morning or listening via live stream that is not sure they're going to heaven. Father, I pray they'd get it settled in this invitation. Pray they'd walk an aisle. And Lord, if they don't know you, may they allow us to take God's word and show them how they can know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, there is no peace until we come to know Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray they see that and they trust in him today. Lord, look into the heart of every believer. May we be open and yielded to you this morning and allowing you to work in us. And may we be ready to navigate troubling times and troubling voices through turning them into times of trusting. Help us to do that through your powerful word. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you to join me in standing all across the auditorium. With every head bowed and every eye closed, piano begins to play. My friend, it's time for you and I to do business with him. Maybe it starts with this. Father, I'm sorry I haven't trusted you like I ought to. I've got caught up in fear and worry and so forth. Lord, I'm sorry. Help me to trust in you. Maybe you're here this morning. So, Pastor Henry, you, you mentioned about going to heaven. I'm not sure. I, I've never put my faith and trust in Christ. Could I just encourage you, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you just slip out quietly. You come down this aisle. If you're a man, a man will take you. If you're a lady, a lady will take you. And they will take you to the side room. They'll show you from God's word how you can know for sure that heaven's your home that Jesus Christ is your Savior. He is the only one that can give you peace, friend. Why don't you do it today? Heads bowed and eyes closed, let you and I do business with him.